Hi, this is Sophie, Simon and Ben from That Final Scene. Yeah, we just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Amazon Music where you can find this very podcast. So, let's dive in, shall we? I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hello and welcome to the final episode of That Final Scene for the year. No, the final ever. Uh, how that was you guys? almost dramatic. <laughs> I've been so excited about it because we, I mean, just before we started recording, Simon and Ben, we were talking about all of the, you know, interesting and new things we could explore for the new year, how we could perhaps better promote the podcast, how we could put ourselves a bit more out there because we're feeling a bit shy. I mean, at least I am. How you guys been? Pretty good. Yeah. yeah not too bad. 2023, you know, on, on, on the horizon now. But yeah, all good. What are your resolutions? Oh, I'm not doing that shite. <laughs> Ben's going to talk less fast. Yeah, I'm going to talk less fast. Yeah, I'm going to talk slower. That's my my resolution. But it's the 28th of December now, so I can talk as fast as I like for the next three days. I love, and yeah. I, I, I don't know, I feel like you have a lot of energy. So yeah, do you feel and like that's normal energy? That's exactly. not me like coked up or anything. That's just how I normally talk. But yeah, no, I need to slow it down. And if we are all drinking tea right now, we're not that even, you know, drunk or anything. So maybe I just need to get tanked before every podcast, not make me slow down. <laughs> I've never heard Ben drunk enough that he slurs his words. Oh, I was drunk enough to slur my words the other day. Oops! <laughs> How many Guinness? Uh, six Guinnesses and no food. Six Guinwe. Yeah, I hadn't eaten. I think I'd I had Weetabix in the morning, mm-hmm. and then went to the pub at lunch and work, and nice. stayed in the pub from one p.m. till five. Don't remember getting home from Hammersmith. Oh, so, no. yes, excellent times. Before disaster. <laughs> was it a Christmas party? No. We <laughs> <laughs> just, just went to the pub. We were just like, we go to the pub. It's nice. Christmas. Yeah. And we went to the pub and drank the afternoon. What are you up to, Sophie? Oh, God. I forgot that Winter Wonderland is, you know, Ooh. happening. Uh, so, Winter Wonderland for the British it, Piss Fest. <laughs> That's the perfect way of describing Masquerading it. as a German beer yeah, market. the Bavarian British Piss oh, yeah. yeah, so I I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it takes place in Hyde Park every year. It basically takes mm. over the entire park, which is a shame. Did you go? No, no, no. I was plan- I wanted to go to Regent's Park for a walk because it had just snowed here in the UK. So it's like, Very oh, different nice. experience. Very yeah. different experience. <laughs> but then um, it got it was so packed in the tube, so I decided to stop in Knightsbridge instead. I was like, oh, I'm just going to walk from there. Oh, my God. Harrods and Winter Wonderland. In. That was the h- horrific the experience. The most British experience, Harrods and Winter Wonderland. Yes. So we were singing with an umpa band within five minutes. Yeah, I had to. There was no other choice. It was the only way they would let me out. So <laughs> it was, um, I feel like, yeah, I have a bit of a PTSD from that over the weekend. What about you, Zay? Just been watching some utter guff on Netflix. Did Speaking you start of, watching White Lotus? I, no, because it's so bloody expensive to get now TV. Oh, okay. I was trying to like faff around, trying to find a way around it, and then Wait, I gave I mean, up. if can, anyone can from now TV is listening, like they want the no, one month. On my Apple TV, it just wants nine ninety nine a month straight away. Oh, that's weird. What about you, Sophie? What have you been watching? Well, uh, I'm. I don't want to admit that, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it anyway. Michael forced us to watch Harry and Meghan, the oh. documentary. Oh, don't blame you. I'm the, watching it as well. Good I, grief. It's awful. I kind of hate watched it. I didn't, 
I have a lot of thoughts. I mean, the way it's produced, very Netflix-like, like it's so American, like all the cheesy music, you know, in the background, uh, a lot of photo collages coming out of mm. nowhere. It's like making a, fam- a murderer Windsor edition. Photo collages yeah. coming out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> just casually it's, just it's, swiping past. It's yeah. literally it's sad piano. It, yeah, it, like oh my God. newspaper headlines fading in from the Ooh. background. It's literally that. I... I don't know. I was never someone who was interested in like celebrity, like drama stories. I don't know why. Like, I, I don't know. It just, and you could tell that they put a lot of effort into this to tell their quote unquote story. I'm just not invested enough. And I, yeah, and I feel like Michael was more interested because obviously to. Was Michael to, wiping away the tears. No, I mean, he was more critical, oh, okay. uh, I think, compared to me. Uh, but, Obviously, because like you guys, he's British, like he knows the, you know, I don't know, I feel like he knows the story behind the royals much more than uh, than me. I think it's interesting. And that what it symbolizes as well. Released the season of The Crown in, and this in very quick succession that like a lot of um, pretty much every episode, I would say Prince Harry mentions Diana in some way about like the press and all that stuff. So it's very because we're kind of like going back and forth. We basically watch an episode of The Crown and then an episode of the Harry and Meghan thing. I found that fascinating because looking at The Crown season five, which is incredibly in favor of the monarchy and the royals and Charles. And like, like I, I felt like season five. Do you five, think so? Yeah, I, th- I thought that, you know, they portrayed Charles as a sort of like modern, you know, like symbol for the monarchy and how like he has his trust. And like, he, even the way he, his relationship with Camilla was portrayed as in like boohoo them, like they are. Yeah. The, it was very much told a certain way. And then you had Diana, who, who in, I don't know, in my opinion, she was portrayed as mentally ill paranoid, at times a bit silly as well. Like she didn't come across someone who was independent, she knew what she was doing. So I feel like season five was, yeah, quite in favor of the royals. I think I I find every episode of The Crown just goes back to being like, oh, okay, so now this person's an arsehole. And it just goes from being like, Charles is an arsehole to Prince Philip is an arsehole to, oh, the Queen's been a bit of an arsehole now as well. I, I thought Which, that... Uh, I'm probably not allowed to say uh, that, am I? Am the Annas Horribilis. Yeah, there's an episode called Annas Horribilis, there is. <laughs> but I, th- I thought that was true until the previous season. Like, I didn't you find that basically, like, since Dominique Quest's, like, version of Charles came over, they've been overly sympathetic towards Charles. I think they just haven't shown Charles that much. Like, he's not in the fifth season as much. He's not... Or at least maybe 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 I'm maybe I'm wrong. This I'd like to know. Look at the screen time, mm-hmm. but I feel like he's less prominent in season five, which mm-hmm. is probably a good thing mm-hmm. for portraying Charles mm-hmm. at that time while he's having an affair and Diana's being chased by the press. It's not a very like it's not a strong look. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. I mean, he's never really come across well, apart from maybe that first season he was portrayed in it as like a teenager. Yeah. But as soon as they introduce the Diana relationship, he's very much portrayed as like right. an arsehole. And w- with Diana, they're very much focused on, yeah, like her, suppo- like we don't even know if they're true, but like how paranoid she was and like how, um, you know, all of her mental struggles. There was no mention of like her activism, for example, or what she did for the war, like, or like more personal relationship, all, you know, that affair that she had with a doctor, like it was just passed over, even though it was a bigger thing. So... I don't know, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, I was disappointed for the season for many reasons, but that was one reason. And then you have Harry and Meghan coming out, you know, in 
on the same platform a few weeks later. And I mean, it's, I don't want to say the word propaganda because a lot of things that came out of the documentary, like I'm sure they were valid and the criticism that, you know, Megan suffered is disproportionate to the amount of like, and if, even if she was wrong on one, two, three, four things, like all that hate that she received was, you know, obnoxious and ridiculous, but it was so one-sided. So to me, like it wasn't like, I don't think it's fair to say it's a docu-series. It's like, it's an interview. Like it's a eight hour interview. It's not a docu-series because you're not telling the truth. Which is what the documentaries te- do by default. They're telling Harry and Meghan's side of the story. It's that. That yeah. is to be told after they've signed their $100 million Netflix yeah. deal or whatever it was. Exactly, yeah. It, which is why I thought it was more like a, I don't know, like opening, yeah, opening the doors to their story. But you know you know what they say when like in, on a, in every story there are three sides to the story. It was like your truth, my truth, and the, the actual truth. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we got their actual story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would recommend it or not necessarily, but it's very easily watchable, I guess. Yeah. It's like, it's background Does television. she mention Suits a lot? Yes. In the first few episodes, Suits does, it, yeah. In the first like two or three episodes, Suits is mentioned quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Is that because where he like first like saw her? Yeah. And one and he was like, oh, she's on. No, apparently no. he first saw her on Instagram. He he slid into her DMs. What did he say? His DM. I don't know. H here, as they seem to. They every time they refer to him as H, I'm just like, oh god. (laughs) Every now and then they drop some like history lessons on Commonwealth and like you know racism, Mm -hmm. and it's like, what are you trying to do? Like it's it's very pat, like it's patchwork, like in some episodes, which is funny. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, I do think they're quite in love with each other. So I believe that. Did you see Jeremy Clarkson's tweet? Where he's apologized for that column he wrote like two years ago or something. Is that what it was? Is that not a new tweet? Is that a, a I new thought column? it was an old one. Maybe I thought it was an old one that's been resurfaced because of... Oh, oh no, maybe not. Actually, maybe it's a no, column it, that he wrote about this. Well, it's not a yeah. tweet. You're right. It's his, it's his newspaper column. He basically wrote in his column how much he hates Meghan Markle. And how he wants to parade her naked through the streets. What? Yeah, he, com- stuff he, com- he compared it to this, you know, the shame scene in Game of Thrones. Yeah. He, he used that as a comparison. That's awful. And his daughter came out and was like, I do not stand by anything my dad says. This mm-hmm. is like, he's, this is such Shit. a dick thing to say. Yeah. And then people started getting pissed off at her as well. Is it because she's Jeremy Clarkson's daughter? And it's like, but she's come out and said he's being a dick. He's very clever at, you know, he's a bit like Piers Morgan in this sense, even though he's not like a Piers Morgan, but he uses the media in the same way. And he's very incendiary in what he writes in order mm. to stir up stuff. And then everyone obviously gets very offended and upset. And then that whole hoo-ha creates more publicity for him. So it's a win-win. Pretty telling that Clarkson's Farm comes out in January. You know, he needed, yeah. to, he needed to be on the front pages to publicize Clarkson's Farm a little bit. He's the guy from Top Gear, right? Yeah. Speaking yeah. of someone with no contact. Okay. Uh, onto on a different topic, but also yeah. still a very English topic. I watched Paddington 2 the other day for Aww, the first time. Oh, nice. Cried like a baby at the end. It was actually after the the afternoon of five Guinnesses in the pub with no food. <laughs> and got to the end of it and like wept, wept like a child. How? Yeah, because it's just such a wholesome ending. <laughs> it's not even sad. It was so wholesome. You wept was, with joy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, oh, it's such a great film. It's so good. It's amazing. It's funny because when it first came out, I remember there was all these reviews of it being like, it's like 100% on everything. Like nobody expected this film to be that good. Mm. And I was kind of like, ah, it's a, like it's a kid's, like it's a family movie. You can't be that great. It's 
brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. Hugh Grant is oddly very funny in it. Brendan Gleeson's in it. He's really funny. Um, yeah, everything about it is, is it just... basically Love Actually 7? <laughs> no, it's more wholesome than Love Actually and yeah. a lot less problematic. Okay. Yeah, but... Um, it's like yeah, a, About the Boy great. too, maybe. Ooh, that's, more like that's yeah, like more like it, the, yeah. On the wholesomeness level. Yeah, yeah but it's fantastic. I would, as, as someone signed with a child, I would urge you, urge you to watch it over Christmas. It's a good, um, a good family film. It's better than the film. first one, in my opinion. Yeah, because I didn't like the first one. Well, not that I didn't like <laughs> it, but I wasn't mad on it. I wasn't like, oh my God, this is fantastic. This is mm. such a great film. I thought, yeah, it's a Paddington Bear movie. Okay, it's not for me. Whereas yeah. the second one, I was like, fucking hell, this is brilliant. This is so good. <laughs> What else have I been watching? I've been watching Harry and Meghan, finally watching White Lotus season two. Nice. How's which it? I'm not enjoying as much as the first one. Huh, okay. I'm not really, like, I think what I said in the last episode was that the reason I liked the first season was because you, like, you kind of connect and you find the characters really interesting. Most of the people in season two, I'm just like, oh, you're all just dicks. Like, no one, no one here is actually that likable. Even Jennifer this- Coolidge's <laughs> character, who I really liked in the first season, is pretty unlikable, at least for the first few episodes. Mm. This yeah, I'm just not enjoying to it as much. become an uh, HBO signature, like you see with Veep, you see with uh, Game of Thrones, you see with Succession, like all of the characters are irredeemably, like, awful. Yeah. Isn't that like all of our lives, though? We're all pretty. We're all nice people. <laughs> <laughs> we have redeemable qualities. Simon, you just watched the Oppenheimer trailer. Actually, two yeah. versions, like, of the, yeah. of the trailer. Your illicit we, yeah, cinema we the, we, backseat recording version. Yes, so you watched the official one from Universal, and then you watched a dodgy, like, camera version <laughs> that I shared with you. Uh, thoughts? Initial reactions? It doesn't give much away. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of tension build up to the bomb going off, which you know is what happened. I so guess I'm presuming the film's going to delve into the psychology behind Robert Oppenheimer's going through all the motions of creating this thing and how he felt about it. It's an interesting one. It's a trailer for something for a movie that's about something that actually happened that mm. you probably just have to go and like read a couple of books or I didn't like, really think the trailer worked very well. I didn't it's it made bit, it seem <clears throat> very dark, which is good. Like it was very like ominous. I think that's all it's trying it's to do Nolan, is just show you the visuals. I think uh, historically like Nolan's trailers have been very mystic like and they don't give much away. They're more cryptic than anything. So I like that in that I have a feeling they went with Nolan's like, you know, definite version of a trailer in the official version and that like camera it's more version. like a clip wasn't it it was more like a film it was more clip. like a more like a clip but it does feel like a short film by itself which is i think mm. this is what nolan is doing with his trailers while the one that you know is playing uh, before avatar 2 it's more like standard mainstream like you you see a bit of matt damon as well you see robert downey jr like it you feels don't like get there's any... more yeah diet like movie dialogue yeah. and you're yeah. actually seeing i think the one they've released to youtube and stuff is kind of a voiceover like it's a Killian Murphy monologue in, what from a, it what a great accent I mean, as well what a great what a voice fabulous voice what, what phase of the marketing is it at like because I know that they'll be rolling out like teasers and then a little bit more a little bit more, little bit more. well I mean it's not out until July oh, so that, like yeah. we probably have another couple of months now before you like we probably won't see another trailer or any teasers until maybe like March April yeah. time so that'll probably work on me then so like I'll the next thing I'll be like oh well, I have seen that one now so mm. I want to yeah. see the next one so it doesn't make sense the I don't know the romantic in me says that this is almost like a tribute to Killian Murphy from Nolan because they've they've worked at least twice before Inception and then mm. the dark the sorry uh, Batman Begins um, and he, he uh, he's in all the Batmans he's in Dark oh, he's, Man, oh yeah he's sorry but he had a more prominent role I guess in the first one mm. um, and uh, and he's in Dunkirk 
Yeah, he's the he's the sailor that gets pulled out of the water in Dunkirk in the channel. There you go. So he's almost like the unsung hero of like a lot of Nolan films, but he's never been the main guy. Mm. And I feel like Nolan is now just I don't he could he could easily use like Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, like um Emily Blunt, like all of these people to stuff the trailer with A-listers. Mm. But it's almost like he's giving Killian like there you go, man. Like this is your chance. Like go shine. Chiseled like, features. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope. I I hope. I love it, that. I hope the whole film kind of does just allow Killian Murphy to shine and maybe get like an Oscar nomination out of it or something like that because mm. he's kind of been in all of Nolan's films. He's kind like a, like water carrier is probably the wrong word for it, but he's 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 a he's consistently very good in roles that are quite, like, understated, apart from maybe supporting. playing Scarecrow, yeah. like, in kind of understated supporting roles, especially Inception that's, and I think Dunkirk. that's a really great place to be as an actor. Yeah. When you I, can I think do that's what really he good jobs as I a think that's what role. he wants, and he's mm. always wanted. I feel like he was given the opportunity to be more of a, you know, traditional, you know, front. I don't think he wants that. I, I assume you've heard him talk about, like, he auditioned for Batman. And, really? like, yeah, so, like, uh, before Christian, like, when Christian Bale was obviously auditioning Killian Murphy auditioned as well and I think there is like test footage of him in the bat suit like he got to like final three I think and now imagine Murphy, that in your in your interview process oh my yeah God. you're now at stage four bat suit <laughs> yeah well yeah exactly we're gonna put you in the rubber suit now his face features are quite you know eccentric he has very what's the word the opposite uh, the opposite of forgettable like he has a very yeah. like yeah he's you remember his face distinctive I think he's. Yeah. I think he does. I think Killian Murphy does a does a good job now as well of being. He's seems to be quite selective at what he does. He obviously works with Nolan a lot, and he does Peaky Blinders. But then other things, he tend he seems to kind of like pick and shoot rather than going for like the Marvel blockbuster or something mm-hmm. like that. He seems to be making the films that he wants to make. He's mm-hmm. picking films like Schwarzenegger did in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. His kindergarten cops exactly. is on the horizon. Yeah. Very, very strategic. Oh, God, but yeah, yeah, I think he does a good job. Yeah. I mean, having said that, Peaky Blinders has kind of gone downhill in my opinion. And it's I, still being made. Yes, I think there's one season to go and a film oh, God, is what they're really? doing. I, I stopped a season ago. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch the last there's an, I think there's another season and a film to come, oh, I think okay. is what they're doing and then it's done. But going back to the trailer very quickly, the one thing that I was like, hmm, I've seen this before, or I've heard this before, is the, the music, the score. I was like, this is very, like, Nolan. Yeah, yeah, nothing too, you know, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just sounds like, yeah. it's Very it, standard Nolan like, yeah, scoring. Yeah, he... he, he could have just taken the music from like the Dunkirk trailer and just yes. put it over it again. He because yeah. after a trailer it. like Inception, it's really hard for him to top it. that. It's, yeah. You know, it's like. I mean, arguably, since after a movie like Inception, it's kind of hard to better yeah. that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The that's art a, of the trailer. That's a debate, yeah. <laughs> debate for another day on mm. Christopher Nolan's filmography. That, that said, I have a feeling that because he, I, don't, I haven't looked into the details, but he's gone into great lengths to emulate like the sound of an atomic bomb going off. Well, so I feel like we're going to see. Yeah, so hasn't like, he said they've like basically tried to be as practical yes. as humanly possible? Yeah. And that was the joke, wasn't it? Everybody was like, oh, well, he's probably yeah. going to build his own he's atomic bomb. And oh, right. that was about, well, he discovered that snapping some cabbage in his kitchen <laughs> makes exactly the same sound as a nuclear bomb. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it <laughs> like past Foley, him. Like Foley, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they if reveal you, he's like stabbing a tomato ketchup bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One towards an IMAX then, I think. 
Yeah, I would actually yes. be well up for that. Yeah, if you let's do watch that. It. Yeah. yeah. I've never I, been to an IMAX. Well, not been to an IMAX for a long time in the UK. I think we, the last we thing tried I to saw do on, nope, but yeah, we didn't make it. I think the last thing I saw on IMAX was Tenet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. In, the, in, the, in the depths of COVID. No, I didn't. Well, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't think Tenet was great, but yeah. Okay. In the depths of COVID, the movie to save cinema that actually probably did more damage than good. <laughs> <laughs> more, more confusing. Yeah. Oh, wait, stop, don't even get me started. <laughs> What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? We thought it would be a good time given like we are, what, two, no, 11 days away from 2023 to do an AMA episode or in other words, Ask Me Anything episode where we get... Um, you know, some of your questions. We've got some of your hot takes as well, which was interesting. Some, like, a bit of venting around very specific niche uh, subjects that I really can't... <laughs> niche venting. It, yeah. <laughs> I I don't even know, like, we'll talk about it. Um, and, yeah, like, give uh, the that final scene team the chance to open up a little bit. Um, <laughs> our, our, our right to reply. Our, our right <laughs> to, to reply. All yeah, of the questions are, you know, quite friendly. So thank you for that. Except for one. <laughs> well, I, one has, um, yeah, a couple of layers that we can unpack. But um, the the caveat here is that I'm the only one that knows the, the questions. So Ben mm. and Simon will be reacting to yeah, the questions live with you guys. Coming into this blind. So we'll, uh, we'll see what we've got. Blind. So um, should we start? Go on then. Let's you do guys it. ready? Question number one <laughs> for Ben. Okay. Uh, <laughs> will Ben watch Rings of Power season two? <laughs> oh, that's a very good question. Of course he will. He's such yeah. a glutton for punishment. Oh, yeah. I, do you he know what? Yeah. Just so he can complain about it on this podcast. This podcast is just a complain fest for Ben. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, we're actually doing therapy for Ben, ben. mainly. <laughs> That's what this is. Yeah, I mean, you've got me banged to rights there. I definitely will watch Rings of Power season two, and I'll hate every second of it. He's going to watch it just to check if he hates it as much as he thought he would. And then he'll let us all know about it. It's the complaint lounge that we have over here. Well, exactly. Listen, someone has to watch it, and it's going to be me. Has it been renewed for a a second season? And they've already recast a load of it as well. Yeah, How much you already know about it? I know, and it's a shame because actually it is annoying because... One of the actors who was genuinely quite good in the first season, something to be positive, has now been recast as someone else. So that's annoying. That's awful they're yeah. doing that. What, you mean they become a different character in the same program? Same actor. character, different actors going to be playing them for oh. some reason. I was already don't super confused. Now I'm just, actually, I don't think I'm going to watch season two. But don't. Saying, yeah. I will watch it. I, I will take this bullet for the podcast <laughs> and I will watch it. And for that good. listener as well. You good. don't need to watch it. I'll okay. give you everything you need. Okay, there you go. You have <laughs> your answer. Looking forward to that. Um, what's more exciting, Avatar 2 or the World Cup? Well, I watched the highlights of the World Cup and it looked pretty exciting to me. So it's got to be the I World Cup. I saw the final. It was pretty, it was a pretty, I pretty wish I'd watched it in the game. end. Very impressive. I would say yeah. sitting in a dark room is probably more exciting than Avatar 2. So definitely mm. the World Cup final. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. Next question. How do I encourage myself to watch more films next year? Ooh. This is something that I've been oh, struggling that's a with. Great question. Yeah, this is something that I've been struggling with, especially like we, we talked about this in a different episode, like during the winter. To, as we you should said, like, force, force yourself, I don't think. I think say, uh, she's saying encouraging. Yeah. So it's more like she's forcing herself. But I find myself being like, oh, yeah, I wish I could go to the cinema as opposed to what's this trash. Even though, like, I, 
she's not talking about like films in the cinema, but mm. I think that's what she's referring to. Like you know more what? quality. I think she's referring to more quality films as opposed to trashy. You One know? thing I like is, I don't know if this is going to sound like quite a wanky answer, but I always like enjoy things in a different way when someone's recommended them to me rather than when I've just found them myself. Oh yeah. Because somehow there's more meaning behind it. So like if you can get people you know and like to recommend you something that you wouldn't normally watch, it kind of gives you a bit of a mission to go and watch it. And then you kind of appreciate it in a different way. And I find that with music as well. I would say as well, one thing that I found this year, it's not something I've ever used to really do. There's something quite nice as well about going to the cinema on your own. Mm, it's quite like, I love that. it's an experience that I didn't really do. Like I'd always go to the cinema with friends or with mm. my girlfriend and stuff, but a couple of times this year I've gone on my own to see like everything everywhere all at once. I went and saw on my own and it's sometimes it is quite nice to just like go by yourself and like just kind of blend into the crowd a little bit. Like mm. I found it really enjoyable. I would say there is something to be said about like crossing like things off your list in a way. And I'm not saying like you should see this as a chore, but maybe like instead of having this master like movie watch list where you have like a thousand films, you have like a smaller list that are more like they have a theme like you know comedy you know like self-care whatever it might be mental health and then they're quite smaller and then you go through them and once you watch a film you kind of cross it off the list mm. which is more like makes it more realistic in a way but um what i'm gonna do next year because i know that i haven't watched nearly as many films that as i did you know the year before is to almost i know it's gonna sound boring but i'm a big planner so like some sort of like appointment viewing where it's like mondays are movie night you know, and just kind of yeah. like schedule that in, you know, we, we record the podcast every Wednesday. Well, now every Monday. Um, so we have that in and I feel like you give, you know, yourself consistency in that way. And I think that's something to, you know, be. I would never do that with films. Like that's not, to me, that's not fun. But I'd fulfill. You don't have, you wouldn't force yourself. But I th- yeah. feel like sometimes you tend to, like you can still watch a film I would on do something like that for like exercise or stuff that, isn't something I'd necessarily like just do on a whim. Whereas a film is like a treat. So I'm just like, wherever I can slot it in or something, I'll mm. do it. Yeah. I wouldn't treat it like a kind of like, you must have to do it on a Monday evening or something. No, it's not a must. Or you're making space for it. I suppose, yeah, you you're making space as, for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like I'm going to punish myself if I don't go <laughs> yeah. to the, if I don't watch a film that day. But, you know. I also think as well, like, uh, the, obviously we do this podcast, so we bring movies to one another that we then go and watch and we get to talk about them. Simon and I used to work with a guy who does a monthly movie club and actually that's probably a good idea uh, something to do as well that like if you have a couple of friends that you connect over movies what it might actually to get yourselves watching more films is to just say okay maybe why not once a month we say like the last Thursday of every month we get together and like we all sit down and watch a movie suggested by Mm -hmm. you know one of the group Mm -hmm. and it's a nice way to do it watching films with friends is amazing yeah and like you can have couple of drinks and then you can like chat about it as well mm. yeah because like i mean i think we all love doing this because we like chatting like we don't just like watching movies we like chatting about movies as well yeah and so that's another big thing to be able to do and that will actively encourage you to watch more films and be able to say you know think of suggestions and be like and really look forward to that it's something you can try question number four <laughs> what rating size do you tend to trust imdb rotten tomatoes metacritic etc imdb is my go-to Mm-hmm. I don't really go to Rotten Tomatoes, even though that seems to be the one that a lot of people go for. But also I would say at the end of the day, if I really want to see a film, I don't really care mm-hmm. what any of them say. I don't care if something's like certified fresh or it's not. If I'm really keen to see something, I'll just go and see it anyway. 
So IMDb is probably my go-to, but again, it's not my gospel for everything. What yeah. you say? Just friends, I think. Mm-hmm. IMDb, yes, I trust it more compared to Rotten Tomatoes. Even though with like with RT, what's interesting is uh, the discrepancy of RT. Like, RT that has <laughs> as how like people refer to it. Um, it's interesting to see the disc- discrepancy sometimes between like how critics are, you know, rating a film and yeah. how, like, what the audience score is. So, like, Zack Snyder films have, like, a 17%, like, <laughs> I do you know, find Metacritic. So, like, like it's critics fun to read store. that after watching a film to see if you agreed with the critics. I find that quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah it, even though I think it's rare that you're going to find, like, one, like, one track mind uh, when it comes to, I don't know, like, movie perception. But I think, like, with films, like, yeah, Zack Snyder's films or... People that ha- are extremely passionate about a specific universe, for example, you see like ninety eight percent like audience yeah. score, and then you like have like seventeen percent critic score, <laughs> which shows a kind of discrepancy. I so will I say, Rotten Tomatoes is good for like a funny, uh, like outside the box review. Like if you yes. find like some of the worst rated movies on IMDb, or even a movie that you want to watch, it is quite funny going through them because you'll get some people who are just who will absolutely savage films right. and it is you can get some good like you can get some good one line quotes out of it yeah but the the side that i well more accurately like app i tend to go to is uh, letterboxd because i find that to be the more interesting and like funny one actually it's it's an app which is basically like it's a social network of movie people um and it has like the i, I think it grabs its database from imdb but then the um, and I think you can uh, you can get a rating from one to five as opposed to, a, to ten, but then what's interesting is like the the reviews are like are Tumblr like it's a super eccentric like su- cinephile to like the Timothy Chalamet like you know like fandom Timothy Chalamet what's he, what's his name Chalamet Chalamet oh Chalamet <laughs> sorry <laughs> Timothy <laughs> sorry um, so question number five. What has been your favorite foreign film and why? If you have one. Oh, that's a good question. I really loved Another Round from yes. two years ago and The Hunt, which is from the same director, mm. both starring Mats Mikkelsen, directed by Thomas Winterberg. And I realized that I really love, I think I really love Scandinavian cinema. Like anything that I've seen, it just speaks to me. It's my kind mm. of humor. It's my kind of like approach to life in a way. So, yeah, these are the two films that have really stood out to me in terms of European cinema in particular. I mean, for pure, like, action and craziness, The Raid is Oh, my God, yes. If you haven't seen The Raid, go and watch it. It's like, yeah, it's just insane. Um, Battle Royale. Yeah, Akira. I'll throw Akira into the mix to get some anime in there. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, Akira is just incredible and has... I mean, considering we saw Nope this year, like, you know, mm. you watch the motorbike slide straight out of Akira. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, who knows, maybe Jordan Peele will yeah. remake one day. Um, yeah. One thing I was thinking about is, have you seen a German film called Das Experiment? No. I know The Wall. Where it's about um, this psychologist guy that yeah. does an experiment where he makes a pretend prison and locks a load of people up in the prison. And then it all goes wrong. I know The Wall, which is, again, German film, which is about a teacher who, um, I don't know, does an experiment on his students. Mm. But it's a different film. Yeah, I don't know that okay, one. Okay, okay. Another one I really enjoyed, which I was really pleased that I got my mum to watch, was Downfall, Second World War film. 
but it's based on Hitler's perspective from his bunker in oh. the last hours or days of the Second World War ending. And I thought that was excellent. Um, I really recommend that. I, I would also throw, I mean, listen, it's very, uh, very well known and I think it won a couple of Oscars, but Pan's Labyrinth as well is yes. fantastic. Would uh, highly it. recommend. I just love most Guillermo del Toro films. So I would recommend Pan's oh, Labyrinth as well. Uh, if you could pick one streaming service, which one would it be and why? Um, Britbox. <laughs> <laughs> so I can watch Lovejoy. Um, I know loads of things that I seem to want to watch are, are on HBO. So maybe so Now TV. Now TV, yeah, no. maybe. Yeah, I like Now TV. I don't like the fact that you have to get it in two separate packages. So like you have the movies and then you have the TV and different yeah, but That's this is a bit the annoying. Dream. I mean, have, if this is the dream it, and I can have it. it all, then it would it would that's probably be true. Now TV. If you, to, if you were to pay for both of them, would it be like, what, 30 I quid per month? I do pay for both of them, Sophie. <gasps> you do? <laughs> I thought you were paying yeah. for the TV one. Okay. I pay for the TV and the movies. Ben's yeah. a high roller. How much is it per month? Okay. I want to hear you fight over the worst Nolan film. Ooh. Ooh. Um, that's a hard question. I think worst is, worst is the wrong word to use. I don't necessarily know if Nolan's made it like a terrible film. I would say, I would probably say Tennis just because it, uh, Icarus, you know, he flew a little bit too close to the sun and it just didn't really work out. I know, so you haven't, you haven't seen Tenet, but mm. yeah, it was just... I mean, any film where I feel like I, you know, it's in English and I need to have the subtitles on to be able to understand half of what is going on, you know, like the sound mix. I know it was supposedly intentional, but the sound mixing on it is horrendous. Like Awful. half the time you can't hear the dialogue. Yeah. And yeah, the story is a little bit, yeah, it's a bit all over the place. Or Pat's is great. John yeah. David Washington is really good. But Kenneth Branagh is the bad guy. But they are a bit of a waste. Guy, I feel and- like they're wasted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Robert Pattinson feels like it, it just feels like he's doing like a Bond audition or something. Like he's kind of <laughs> like he's he's putting it on his resume so he can yeah. give it to someone. But yeah, I would say I would probably say tennis. We will not fight over this one because I agree. You agree? Uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, yeah, I think the actors are wasted. I think what Kenneth Branagh is doing is ridiculous, like a parody of a character <laughs> or something. His weird uh, Vladimir Putin character. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then um yeah, uh, I'm mad at Nolan for what he did to Elizabeth Debicki, like and her character, just another waste of mm. like a lackluster like female character that just goes nowhere. Uh, so well, he historically yeah. has trouble. He, yeah, but I feel like that characters. is the cherry on top uh, mm. with what he did there. But and I agree with you, like the audio is just you know, like it's just impossible yeah. to yeah. It's in, it's some of it is genuinely. I can't believe I can't believe it passed the like uh, who, who like. Nolan, I mean, I guess he's the final, like, approver. Like, did he literally watch the film, the final cut? And he was like, yeah, that, that passes well, the, the mark. He, well, he wrote maybe, the script. Maybe he, wants to, <laughs> maybe he wants to piss his parents off. So like, couldn't hear a bloody thing in that <laughs> thing. I was turned it up. Maybe. What would you say, sorry, of the Nolan films you've well, seen? Well, I haven't really seen a bad one, but probably my least favorite one was Batman Begins. But, I mean, mm. I, okay. I loved Inception. I mm. loved The Dark Knight. Memento was a, a early film that I mm. thought was really creative. Like you love doing Interstellar in as well. Re- I found that really moving. It was a it was a precursor to tennis. I was quite like, hungover though. So well, there tearful. you go. Rewatch it. It's a pre- it was a precursor to what Tenet did, where it was it's almost like trying to be too clever. Yeah, and like I mean, I didn't really fully understand it, but I just let it wash over me, and I yeah, thought I did it love was it. good feelings. But I didn't yeah. get it fully, one hundred percent. Like I thought it was very confusing at times. No, and maybe yeah. you're not supposed to. Yeah, but. 
don't know. Yeah. But but maybe with Jessica Chastain as again McConaughey were pretty like well written like the characters yeah. anyway. So maybe that helped. And we, we, were, to, we were at obviously the, you have to suspend your disbelief to make that and film. And Simon work. Simon's gonna love this. I'm gonna pat him on the knee. That was at the that was at the height of the McConaissance. Oh, so. that's true. Of the what? Like, the McConaissance. Pick Matthew. Oh, what like Dallas his, Buyers? Club? His Renaissance, yeah. yeah that was, was when he was like favorite. He was shit. Was he a Magic Mike as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great film. So is um, Magic Magic Mike and Mud and Lincoln Lawyer was the start of the McConaissance. Oh, I like and Lincoln Lawyer. Yeah, we have. Then we get to like we get to Dallas oh. Buyers Club, Interstellar. <laughs> Listen, we're at the film. start. We're at the start of the Frey Surgeons <laughs> as well. Brendan Fraser's about is to that, have wait, it. Wait, was that guy? Was he like a rom com guy or something? Yeah, like he reinvented he was, himself. Like, what's that really? What's that really famous one that he's in? Oh God, where his was like, he sort of a lovable. Is, Rogue rom com dude or whatever, and then like, then a bit like sleazy kind of cheesy, cheesy but lovable. Yeah, mm. like isn't it his line? Is it dazed and confused where he's like, as well. That's what I love about college girls. Like I yeah. get older, they say the same age, and you're like, it's problematic you know. to say the least. But yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. But he really like rebranded himself. I never he... was his rom com film. I feel like I went straight to his serious like. I don't know. Then he made that horrendous Oscar speech. Oh my what god! What did he say? His 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 whole the whole premise of his speech was that his hero was me, him in ten years time. He's like my hero is me in ten years time, and he just went on and on and on while wearing a white suit. <laughs> it was just yeah. He's a character. Yeah, that's he's for an sure. interesting guy. Yeah. He also tried to run for Texas, uh, like. Become a, really? Yeah. Like a politician? Yeah. Like Wow. What's the oh, equivalent? Not senator. What's the equivalent? Like a that? governor. Like a governor. But wow, then but then that. he had to pull out because he was grilled in an interview. He didn't know anything about Texan laws. So it was like, <laughs> it's interesting. We had more classic McConaughey. Yeah, classic. He couldn't touch the governor. <laughs> okay. How do I convince my boyfriend to come watch Barbie with me next year? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> You've got to do a double bill with Oppenheimer. Yes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> as Man. if I'll, as I'll go watch Oppenheimer with you if you come and watch Barbie well, with me. Because boys yeah. like bomb films and girls like Barbie films. <laughs> I'll go out on a limb to say that he, her boyfriend probably is dying to watch Oppenheimer. I thought you were going to say her boyfriend's dying to watch Barbie. Oh. But you never know. He could be. Uh, apparently not. If she's asking for advice, I think, she's obviously not excited. I think the thing to do would, because it's kind of a tough one with this Barbie, because we watched the trailer before this as well. It doesn't really give constant topless scenes in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just (laughs) relentless. Like the trailer, maybe, listen, maybe we'll get different trailers closer to it, but it doesn't give away much of what's going to happen. And a lot of people are pinning what they think the movie's going to be about some of those scenes of, is it right, the camera footage of Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie on Venice Beach, where he's like screaming really high pitched and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, what I would say is is go and watch some other Greta Gerwig and some Noah Baumbach films. And that will give you a bit more insight into it, I think. Because if you go and watch something like Lady Bird, and then you can come into it saying, okay, well, I've watched these, these other films. I've really enjoyed them. Hopefully, and which is what it seems to be, Greta Gerwig will be able to put her spin on it. And so you're not going to see a Barbie film. 
you're going to see a Greta Gerwig Barbie film, which could be more interesting, I would say. I don't trust what Margot Robbie is doing these days. Like after Amsterdam, which is supposed like, I don't know if you guys heard of like, it's been panned by like critics, like the David O. Russell film. Yeah, um, it's already on Disney Plus. It's, it's going straight Disney. to streaming. Yeah. yeah, it's straight to streaming. <laughs> it's like it's like straight to DVD now. Straight to streaming is like the new straight to DVD. Straight to Daily Motion. <laughs> yeah, straight to Daily <laughs> Direct straight to Daily Motion. Direct to Vimeo. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked on a few of those, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I love the next question. Uh, Should filmmakers be scared of AI generating complete narrative films one day? Well, I mean, it can't get much worse than some of the guff that comes out already. So (laughs) maybe it'll help spark some inspiration. Yeah, the Netflix AI generated film. Yeah. (laughs) It looks like it. I think if you're a good enough filmmaker, you, you would, you would, like like a sports person, you'd back yourself and say, I am creative enough and I have stories that I know want to be told. And you would just back yourself and do that. Like I'd say if you ask Christopher Nolan, he'd be like, fuck no. Computer, computer's not going to be able to make Oppenheimer or mm. Inception. Even if they could, you know, truly creative storytellers will believe that that is there to be done. Yeah, It's like in the, in, in the olden days <laughs> when... Play some old time music. When, when, when it wasn't possible to record music, so music could only exist. Well, first as sheet music, and then as live performance. And then people that played music were like, "Well, we're so scared because now you can record music. It's going to kill live, you know." And then, and mm. of course, it's turned it into something else, and then something else again. So things will just keep innovating. Yeah, I'm being very hopeful because I do think that ultimately even casual, you know, moviegoers or like movie fans do appreciate quality, like. Netflix is a really good example. They saw that when they started, you know, uh, pumping out so many trashy films, it was the very first time that they lost subscribers for the quarter. They were like, we need to pull back. So now they've started like going back to quality. Like ultimately, like people are going to watch so many trashy films. And uh, I do think there is a space for, contrary to a popular belief, I do think that right now is the best time to actually be a filmmaker because of the... I guess you can think about the internet and all the different ways you can crowd, you know, crowdfund your film and the connections you can make online. I don't think that was pos- mm. possible, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, like everyone's got amazing phone cameras in their pockets. It's yeah, like exactly. To- yeah, you can make it. Yeah. yeah, it's like what Son Baker, like he did, you know, his first film in, on a like on 5K budget with an iPhone 5, mm. you know. So, Simon. Why haven't you watched Lord of the Rings and how do you live with it? (laughs) There we go. And when will you watch Rings of Power? (laughs) People have opinions about Lord of the Rings. It's a long film. It's a trilogy. There's a number of them. Yeah. There's a lot of elven content in there, (laughs) which I really struggle with. Um, Maybe I should watch it. I should probably watch Star Wars as well. (laughs) You haven't watched any Star Wars? I think I've watched a bit of Return of the Jedi. Good Lord. Okay. Knowing you, you've probably only watched like the Ewok bits. I watched a forest fight scene. Yep, you've watched the Ewok bits. I knew, I knew. (laughs) Of course that would put you off Star Wars. I don't know. I find like all that elven stuff hard to get into. I, yeah, I would encourage you at least just to watch, watch the the first Lord of the Rings. You know, I found that Russian version. Yes. I'm going to watch that first. Okay. I'm going to properly watch it. I I found this really, because of that Adam Curtis documentary I was on about. Mm. They've unearthed this really hilarious, like, Soviet version of Lord of the Rings from, like, 30 years ago. At least it looks like it was 30 years ago. Maybe yeah. it's more. Um, so maybe I'll watch that and then watch the real one. Okay. 
and compare okay. it. At least, yeah, at least watch Fellowship. You don't need to watch the Hobbit trilogy because it's just no. useless. For all three of you, what movies are you most excited for in 2023? Mine is Oppenheimer. Magic Mike. Oh, mine the is last dance. Okay, That's how it's out. called. It's lately, not it's the last the, dance. The last <laughs> dance. It, Salma Hayek is, is in that one as well. Exciting. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is correct. Any others? Is that the only one you're excited for? Uh, well, yeah. I, I'm really excited about Oppenheimer. Mm. I do hope to see something different from Nolan. Even though, yeah, as we said, from the sounds, from the sounds and the looks of it so far, it looks very Nolan-like. But I do yeah. want to see something different from him. Um, I'm really excited to see the Killers of the Flower Moon, which is a new Martin Scorsese film that's coming out with DiCaprio next year on yes. Apple TV Plus. Is that out next year? Yeah, Brendan Fraser is in it yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Like a super- we love Brendan <laughs> we Fraser. We love Brendan Fraser. We all love Brendan Fraser. This is our dream guest. This is our dream podcast oh guest. God. We would lose it if yeah. I just love a hug from him. Yeah. He just seems like such yeah. a nice guy. <laughs> So I'm really excited about that. Um, Then the new Ari Aster film is coming out, which I'm really excited about. I know, like, I don't think, you know, I know, Ben, you're not a horror fan. Like, he's he's done Hereditary and Midsommar. I don't know. If we're talking, like, bigger, like, films, like Creed 3, I'm really excited about with Jonathan Majors. Uh, Should be really good. And then... (laughs) We also the trailer of Cocaine Bear yes, a few weeks ago. I saw Cocaine Bear on the list, yeah, that's for movies next year. From Elizabeth Banks, which I didn't know she was uh, directing this one. So that's isn't she in it as well? She's I didn't yeah, but I didn't know she was directing it as yeah. well, which is uh, funny. And um, yeah, I mean the only other one that I have put down was the um, the Killer, which is the new David Fincher film with Michael Fassbender. He's finally back. Mm. Oh, nice. He took a very long break. So it's about an assassin who kind of creates a, consci- a conscience, and he's really dealing with. It's a very internal struggle film. Again, how he like he keeps getting assa- like um, hitman jobs, but he's starting to feel bad about you know, like what he's doing. So he goes on a quest to kind of undo what he's trying to do. It's like Barry. <laughs> like, I was just going to say, it sounds it, like it Barry. It sounds like yeah. Barry. But Have you like, heard of Barry? In uh, Wales? No, it's a, it's a it's a TV show about a hitman who decides he doesn't want to be a hitman anymore and wants oh. to become an actor. So exactly he, the same as Nuns on the Run. He, he joins a, like an Amdram group that's run by Henry Winkler. Right. And it's just about him trying to become an actor, isn't it? Yeah, I'm guessing with uh, Fincher, we're gonna see then the nihilistic version of mm. that. It sounds I mean, like it sounds like Barry mixed with the counselor. Remember the counselor that? Um, oh yeah, that uh, Fassbender really film, sp- yeah, really the Ridley Scott. Scott film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ben, there's Mission Impossible Seven. That's on my list. Yeah, Mission Impossible: Dead <gasps> Reckoning is Dead on my Reckoning list. Dead Reckoning Part One. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else have I got? John Wick Four. Nice. I love John Wick. Uh, I have to throw a Marvel one in there because there's a few next year. I'll give it to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Because I feel like James Gunn will probably go yeah. out on a so. go out on a bang. But the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Oh god, no fuck cares. that! No, Can nobody wait. cares. Um, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Can't wait for that. I think that's going to be great. The first Same. part of that's going to be good. Indiana Jones. I'll <laughs> probably see, but I mean, I think I said this before the podcast. Like the Dial of Destiny is such a crap title. <laughs> I almost hope they change it in the same way that they changed Sonic after all the fan backlash. The Dial of the Ringtone. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, the Ringtone of Despair could be another crap title. Oh my god! Um, and then a curveball one, which the which the trailer has just come out. And it comes out in March. Is the new Zach Braff movie, um, A Good Person, which is okay. Florence Pugh, Morgan Freeman. 
Um, I just really like the two movies Zach Braff has made. I think Garden State is a great film. Mm. Oh, I've not seen um, that for ages. Yeah, Garden State film. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then, oh God, I can't remember the last one. Last one he made, I remember I tweeted him about it and he retweeted me and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, he knows. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and yeah, I just, I, be, I I love the music. He's a bit like Edgar Wright, like the soundtracks of both the films that he's made are incredible, so. Okay, a few more questions. I mean, we have so many questions, but we'll try to go through as many as we can. Um, what's your process while watching a movie? How do you deconstruct a scene? The second question is about like, how do you, like it's about movie criticism. Like if, you, if someone were to tell you, what did you make of that scene? Like, how do you break it down? I guess some people take different angles. I think me and you, Simon, have talked about like the emotion that, you know, mm. elicits from you. And that is how you kind of deconstruct mm. the scene. As in like, it made me feel this. Therefore, yeah. I loved it or hated yeah. it. Other people would go about, you know, the dialogue or the score or, you know, more technical aspect. But I think we're more on the emotional Side of it's like how the concoction of the script, the cinematography, and the music have manipulated your emotions mm-hmm. and context as well. I always think context is really important with movies and breaking down scenes as well. Of like, even just w- like when the movie was made, like what was mm. like we talked about it a lot. I think in our first ever episode about like um, Twelve Angry Men a bit and like the context of that film. I think that's quite an important thing to consider as well. Yeah. It's like it's like with crime, isn't it? Where say say there's been a crime committed 30 years ago, that person is tried uh, using the laws of the day, not mm-hmm. the laws of now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's in context. But yeah, like when I have, because I have people uh, at times ask me, you know, how do you break down a final scene? And to me, it always goes back to the emotion that... I got out of that scene and then I tell the story behind the emotion. And sometimes it's a personal story. Like I remember when I was the father and like that final scene reminded me of my grandpa because he was suffering from the same disease. So he was like, how do you tell that story and like bring it back to your own experience uh, very often? And like to the first question of what's your process while watching a movie? I'm not saying it's a process, but I do find... I've always been very actor driven. Like I would always like watch like what the actors are trying to do versus the director, or, like, you know, the colors mm. in a scene. So I always find it very interesting how how actors have evolved over time. So like with Joaquin Phoenix right now, like I'm very interested in like how he has evolved from Gladiator to now. And like, I think I'm going like, to catch those things. I'm like, oh, he used to do that in that film, you know, like 10 years ago, Like mm. which is again, it's very unconscious. I'm not trying to like, I'm not doing it consciously, but it's interesting. Something that yeah. I find myself doing. Are you planning on doing any final scenes for comedy movies? We could do like a dark comedy, maybe. Yeah. I think there are maybe a bit more. There's a bit more. We do Legally Blonde. Oh, you know, I'd like to do. Three is coming. I'd like. I really enjoyyed that film. Also, <laughs> the um, the death of Stalin, mm. which is I think a great example That's of a great. very dark, very funny film. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do In Bruges again very dark mm-hmm. but a very funny film I think nice. possibly one of my favourite films of all time okay let's do some more comedy movies next year yeah that's our, that's my New Year's resolution that yes. we do more comedy movies <laughs> yeah but there's not that many of them I, I find that they're the thinnest on the ground like comedy Truly movies funny. that you love yeah, uh, there's, there's probably less than 10 for me mm. that mm. I'd go back to a lot okay one last question and then we're gonna go into some quick round like hot takes okay. oh wow uh, quick fire uh, on a mince pie, cream, ice cream, or custard? None custard. in the bin. <laughs> wow, that was fast. You go custard. I've never had it, but I'd like to have it with custard. Okay. So you like mince pies? Not really, but I love custard. Hot takes. Okay. Number one, 
Film is a medium in decline. Its greatest achievements have already been made. Imagine our grandparents, right? It was kind of possible for them to see pretty much every film that had been made during their lifetime, really, mm-hmm. like the big ones. Yeah. But now we're at a point where there's so much film to, to watch that's been made. You, you can't really be on top of it all. And, and you know, all the low-hanging fruit's been plucked, hasn't it? Like, all of the... If you think of, if you break down the storylines of most Hollywood films, there's about five of them. Mm. <laughs> so it's just, like, variations on a theme. So it's harder to innovate, for sure. But as yeah. long as people are still reflecting our lives back at us in a creative way, then there'll still be interesting films to watch. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, you, yeah. So you're talking more, of, like, both on a technical and also cultural perspective. Because I think on a technical perspective yeah. i'm struggling to see like i haven't seen anything super innovative in the past you yeah. know like decade or so but culturally and creatively and from a narrative perspective you have everything everywhere all at once you have mm-hmm. get out you have films that have contributed to society in a like vast way so mm. i don't think it's as a medium its achievements is behind it but yeah like i'm Obviously, I'm not, like, I don't work on the technical side of things, but I haven't seen anything super, like, when was the last time that people, like, moviegoers were like, oh, my God, this is the future? I think probably Mm. Avatar was the last time that people said that. And even then, 3D is kind of not necessarily dying to death, but, like, 3D is just not important. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay, here we Uh, go. Napoleon Dynamite is terrible and not funny. Yeah, it is. That's one of my favorites. funny at all. I just don't get it. It's incredible. Oh, wow. You're going to fight over this? Because I have I no thoughts. Film. I feel like I've I watch that film every year. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. There's one of your comedy films to watch then. Nice. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Uh, Simon, this for you. Most movies are too goddamn long. And no, I haven't seen Avatar 2 yet. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even I would agree with that movie. Yeah. They're getting too long. The ending of Schindler's List takes away from the rest of the film. The ending is very sentimental, like, yeah. ha, 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 like, the live happily, happily ever after kind of ending mm. when the film has been very just, I don't know, nihilistic. Yeah. yeah. It just takes a departure from the entire narrative, which is... Fair enough. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I remember agree that. that final yeah. scene. It was um, kind of daunting to see that. Um, the last hot take, um, we have a few, but that's the one that we're going to go through. My hot take is that you guys are an underrated movie podcast because, oh, for, oh, once you're, because for once you're not pretentious. <laughs> that's interesting. Well, I find if, that if, insulting. If, I'm incredibly pretentious. If, if that's a word on the street that we're not pretentious, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take yeah. not pretentious. Yeah. Can we put that um, as, as, like, as our quote when uh, on the not podcast? Not like. <laughs> Five stars, not pretentious. pretentious. Heartwarming and not pretentious. (laughs) A feel-good romp, not pretentious at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the very final question that I have no thoughts around, because I don't think I've watched any of his films, but I know his reputation. You might know more. Who keeps letting Steven Seagal make movies? (sighs) Is Steven Seagal still making movies? Apparently. We need to check. I don't know. I mean, nothing's really going to touch um, Under Siege 1 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't actually know he was still making movies. I mean, he's There is the, a scene in a film that he's in called The Glimmer Man. Right. Where he, he murders about five Chinese men with a credit card through the neck. Oh, my God. He, he swipes it and they all die. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a thing the other day. I was, like, uh, I was watching a video of like the worst ever SNL host and he was on the list because... He's in. He was in like one sketch. He couldn't remember any of his lines, and basically all he had to do in the sketch was throw people through windows. <laughs> oh my 
Dude, me and my friends got so obsessed with Steven Seagal when we were about 17. We, he, he formed a band. Davey ever knew this. He, was, he started a band like around that time. And we went to see him play live in Portsmouth near what? Brighton, oh where we God. lived. And he was in a band, I think it's called Thunderbox. What a fantastic and, name. That, um, sounds, that's, that sounds, that sounds like, um, uh, like a, what's the word? Like a double entendre for like someone who farts I think it means a toilet in Australia, doesn't it? I can't Thunderbox. remember. Anyway, yeah, maybe. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the band anyway. So he played this pub venue. So, so imagine ways to sing Steven Seagal and these blockbusters. And there he was in like a pub in Portsmouth. With oh my his, God. With his like bluesy sort of stuff. And um, he was, he'd put on a lot of weight. Mm. And during the performance, someone started a chant of who ate all the pies. And it was really bad. Like you could hear it across the whole room. Not oh We didn't God. do that. But yeah, it was, it was like, I don't know, I felt a bit bad for him really. Oh, Isn't no. he friends? We didn't go to take the piss. We went because it was like a bit of fun. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I think it, I think it was because he was so clearly taking himself so seriously. People were like, well, I'm not having that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and, I think uh, that's the didn't yeah, let him, didn't that's let him his whole it. thing, isn't it? That he just takes yeah. himself incredibly seriously. Wasn't that, wasn't that show where he became a sheriff and because he claims he has all these martial art capabilities, but actually he probably doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he yeah. has he has one that yeah, whatever whatever I can't remember what what the name of it is. But yeah, he says he's a master in something, but really it's just it's. Like it's kind of like a lesser form of like judo. Like it's kind of like it's all just a bit showy. Yeah. What a weird. He's weird a hilarious guy. man. My okay. secret Steven Seagal fetish. <laughs> Coming out of nowhere. Um, we had people ask us about specific films and specific shows, but we're not gonna go into that because we we had at least three people ask us about the bounces of Initiary now and. Uh, I'm not yes, I'll, go okay. I'm yes, known to I'll watch it. So yes, <laughs> next year I will watch it. It's coming out on Disney Plus, Disney uh, December tomorrow. December twenty first, yeah. I thought it was twenty third. Okay, twenty first. Uh, oh, so Tuesday. No, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. We, yeah, we will come back with a reaction yeah. and review. I'll in the be new ready year. for Colin Farrell to win his Oscar. Don't worry. Yes. And I think that's it. That's the show. We that's will, the year. That's the Fuck year. Hell. We will be back next year with more final scenes, more AMAs, more podcast guests, uh, more hot takes, uh, more, you know, references of problematic films, as I would like to say, as to hear me say, and so much more. Uh, please send us your suggestions on Instagram or on our website. What is it that you want to see from us next year? We hope you'll get some rest. Enjoy the holidays eat and drink loads. Um, thank you so much for your support this year. It has been, meant the world to us. We can't wait to find more ways to engage with you next year. And kind of increase that kind of, like, I really love what we did today. I thought it was interesting to get people, like, what are they thinking about? Like, I never thought we would get a question about Steven Seagal, but here we are. Get in the Christmas spirit. Uh, share the podcast episode with a friend or on your stories. And hey, if someone asks for a podcast recommendation, the Christmas table you know the right answer. We will be back in the new year with Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Happy New Year's, everyone. We love you all. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>